Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here a little bit early. Uh, today, my guest really requires no introduction, of course. It's the great Megan Kelly. You can see her on and listen to her on the Megan Kelly Show that is on Sirius XM Triumph Channel. It's 111 every, every weekday at noon Eastern time. Also, you can find it on the YouTube channel, which is Megan Kelly. You can follow her at Megan Kelly. And do not misspell her first name. It's M-E-G-Y-N Kelly, obviously K-E-L-L-Y. And uh, there's a lot going on today, and she and I are going to get into it. Uh, I really don't want to belabor it at all. Let's just get going. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Happy New Year, everybody. It is just a... Delight to be here with you. Thank you for coming in a little bit early and a great way to kick off today's show with Megan Kelly. I just got to quickly, before I bring her in here, mention a rumble rant. Black Blake Bell just said, how do you react to and explain the level of brutal vitriol aimed at you? It's bizarre, hard to watch. On Twitter. Like, Megan and I will talk about that. We'll get into all that stuff. Uh, it's hard for Susan to watch. I, I'm actually getting oh, used no, to it. Oh, no, I have fun with it. And it's it's never what I say. This is the one thing I've learned about Twitter crop storms. It's never what I say. It's always what somebody said I said or said I meant or should have said something. You know, everyone's an expert on the use of prose. So uh, apologies if I triggered somebody, but... Uh, I was having a reaction, upset. I was deeply disturbed for this young athlete like everybody else was. And I continue, and by the way, put at the end of my tweet that created all the weird vitriol, uh, prayers for him and his family. Uh, right now is when he really needs them. We're going to talk about it with Megan in just a second. But recovery from anoxic encephalopathy is a touch-and-go thing. It either will go good or it will not go good. And so we're praying that it does go well. So let's bring in Megan Kelly. Megan, thank you for joining us. Hi, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, as you told me before the mics heated up, just move on, <laughs> move on from Twitter storms. <laughs> she said, fuck. Em. I used a, a more <laughs> colorful term. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you can't get yeah. you can't get torn up by that stuff. It's I mean, there's another day, another Twitter controversy. It always passes in a day or two. They've always got to find a few people to pick on who go against the narrative. And, you know, we don't know what happened to this poor guy on the Buffalo Bills. It's horrific to right. watch. Everyone's Terrible. heart goes out to him, including yours. So you, basically what yeah. Twitter told you is you're allowed to ask and speculate whether he had a cardiac arrest due to the impact of the tackle, but you're not allowed to ask whether there are any other causes that led to heart vulnerability. You're, and especially not if it uses right. the word vaccine, like you're just not allowed That's to right. ask that. And you know, shouldn't we be asking all questions right now and exploring this? Just yes. the main goal of everybody is to see him recover and to prevent this from happening for, to anybody else. 
100%. And I think there's a very high probability that COVID itself may figure into this. It may be COVID plus vaccine or maybe, I, the, the, but the point is we need to know and we need to know how to screen these athletes for these problems if they've had COVID. Maybe it is the vaccine. I don't know. I, I don't think there's a high probability of that, but might be that. To, to have a what's called commotio cordis incident where, from football is exceedingly rare. As you know, it's never happened before in the NFL where somebody takes a blunt chest trauma and it upsets the electrical circuitry of the heart. I, I've seen it before. I've seen it from an elbow in a soccer game, and, and it, the most common is actually from a baseball to the chest. And it usually requires a wrap, like a, like a wrap to the chest, like not a trauma, you know, a tackle. That just doesn't even make any sense. And by the way, that kid got up after the tra the tackle. If anyone who's ever seen Camosio, they're just down. They're dead. That's it. They, their heart is not beating, and they don't get up after the incident. Now, there are sort of exceptions to that, and of course, we have to investigate this further. But uh, listen, I've talked to cardiologists about this. I, I get what the range of possibilities are, which you have to wait to see. Megan, before we go on to talk any more about this tragedy, uh, I'm gonna, I wanna take off on a little bit lighter note. Um, you know, I have uh, broadcast for many years with Adam Carolla, and he and I do a podcast on a regular basis. And he, he said, <laughs> he said, I think Megan Kelly has a crush on me. You on you on him you on him that is yeah <laughs> enough said that's the reaction speaks for itself. I think, look, then, you're, you are a medical doctor. I I would submit that in yeah. that in in the medical field that is called projection. <laughs> well, he went on to say, you know what, Megan Kelly's the perfect woman. Megan Kelly's the perfect woman. I thought, oh, that's that just fits just just right for you, Adam. The perfect woman has a crush on you. Perfect. Well done, sir. Wait, so, wait my feelings are suddenly starting to get very warm about him. Actually, wait, uh, you added that second part. <laughs> well, and, and and there was a third part, which was a lot a lot of that a lot of the warm feeling that he was feeling was founded on the fact that you and I, you and he agree on almost everything. And so that's where that's where but he found his love to, for you. I have to be honest. We do agree on a lot. And, and the thing is, I, I only wish I were half as clever as Adam is. Like His take on virtually yeah. anything, you know, m maybe yeah. it's not the newest thing you've ever heard, right? Maybe it's something like, oh, okay, we shouldn't have mass mandates, something I agree with. But the way in and the way out when it's coming from Adam Carolla is something you never foresaw. You never would have put it in those terms. It's just a little bit extra in terms of its cleverness, its innovation, its yeah. entertainment. Yep. I don't know. There's That's his gift. That's why I love talking to him about anything. Yeah, it, it is a gift, and, and I, I'm the same way. And, and and of course, it always has that that gloss of really good humor on, on top of it. But he he is not troubled by details that the rest of us are sort of entrenched in. He he sees with clarity, you know, a lot yes. of stuff that it's hard to see with that kind of clarity. And it's interesting, you know, he was he was poorly served by the LA Unified School District. He was not taught how to read. Uh, he was his parents put him in a hippie school by sixth grade. He was put in the LA Unified. They told him he was mentally, you know, handicapped, and they put him in ceramics for the next seven years and just warehoused him in high school. And here was this magnificent mind that they just put. You know, we wonder how many other kids are being sidelined by that. I also wonder had he actually been deeper into education, had been given education. I have two thoughts. One is. Uh-oh, what would that mind have done then? Could have been an evil scientist or something. Uh, or B, might it have clouded this clarity that he has, uh, this gift that he has? Yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't undo anything uh, like that in his past because 
if he had if he had been in private school, what have you, and gone straight through to Harvard or Yale, he probably would have mm. become inaccessible to those of us who want to hear from Adam Carolla, to to the masses yeah. who don't have that kind of a sage and savvy spokesperson for their point of view, right? It's like yeah. The, the very yeah. fact that he can talk to the common man and take very complex ideas and condense them into digestible bits and in a way that you can process and you can laugh a little bit about these horrific things happening that you know are deeply wrong from a guy like Adam Carolla is what makes him so special. Like it would be just as soon as he had that Ivy League education or had that sort of private school, boarding school upbringing, we, he would have been lost to all of us. And he would have been just another yeah, talking head. And he so. would have been indoctrinated in leftist yep. thinking as well. So his actual point of view would have changed, never mind his means of communicating. Well, that's true. He would not, that the one thing he really would not have had was that experience of starting with nothing, finding work, you know, humping drywall on, on, on uh, uh, construction sites, becoming a boxing, all these things that he had to do to sort of crawl his way out uh, would not have been in his experience, which is very, very interesting. So let, let's- well, can I, can I, just, I want to get back Another in, point on that, another point on that. On Fox News, that's what Roger Ailes always wanted to hire. He always wanted somebody who sort of had a more of a working class or middle class background mm. um, and not an Ivy mm -hmm. League education. If you said you went to Columbia Journalism School, he would have said, mm, I, I might forgive you, maybe. I don't know, I'm not sure. He was totally against that kind of education. Interesting. Not smarts, street smarts he loved, but he didn't like somebody who came from elite institutions because he knew it would come with it. And so I- it was only in working for him that I realized how much not coming from that background would be a gift in my communications career. Well, Megan, this is a topic I did not expect to get into, but but I I, I went to a small liberal arts college and I got this ex incredible experience. It expanded my brain, it gave my critical thinking locked in. I learned to read and write effectively in ways and speak in ways that that only a very rigorous liberal arts education can do. And I, I I valued it so greatly, and I, I admired the school for having offered me that and done that for me. And in recent years, I don't even recognize these institutions. So the Amherst, yeah. the Williams, the Swarthmore, the Middlebury's, the Bowdens, I, I don't recognize them anymore. Although I, I feel like they're slowly coming back. I, I don't know what to do with that. They become sort of um, the opposite of what they were. They become these indoctrination camps rather than environments for free thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, I would say at Syracuse where I went, which was not an elite institution in the way we're discussing, uh, they're going through the same thing. You know, you can be leveled down and still be swept up in this woke absurdity. I'd... I'd love to hear more about why you think they're coming out of it. I, I mean, just today, we almost, we didn't get to it on the show because we just had so much to cover, but we did the story on Stanford University and some group there that's trying to ban every other word under the sun. They don't like parents. They don't like ladies yeah, and gentlemen. They don't like American, American citizens. I mean, you could go down. Yeah, yeah. It's like, would you? Yeah. So it, they seem to be gearing up more than ever. And I really think, you know, yeah. what are we going to do? Because I have a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and they can't all go yeah. to liberty. Like, what if they don't get it? I don't, like, we need some other options right. um, besides, right. like, the three or four good conservative colleges that we have. Well, I, I would argue that the highly funded larger institutions are marching into the sunset. Uh, I will just point at one aspect of the same phenomenon you're describing at Stanford, which was they did a study where they looked at the number of Stanford students on bicycles in a given week wearing a helmet versus wearing a mask. It was about 80% mask, 20% helmet. 
that tells you pretty much everything you need to know about what's going on there. So, so yeah, yes. critical thought dead. So uh, what I think they're coming, I think the smaller ones are coming back because I think the alumni have withdrawn their financial support and they're highly dependent on that mm -hmm. financial support. And not because so much I object to what they're doing so much, I just don't under, I don't recognize the institution. It's not the institution that I, that I wanted to, you know, support. I don't, but when I recognize it again, I'm right back in, I'm back in, but I feel like that I'm, I've been talking to some of the kids that are there presently and I, I sort of, it sounds familiar again. You know, it's interesting. Bill Maher and I had a conversation about being in those kinds of institutions during the 70s. And, and he had the same experience I did. And I recognized it in him and I sort of called it out because he went to Cornell at a time when Cornell was very much about thinking and learning how to think and read. And he too had the same criticism of his institution that I was saying. But we're getting into the weeds. Let, let, I want to talk about AB 2098. I want you to put on your legal head for a second. So AB 2098 is a new law that goes into effect here in California where physicians can be sanctioned by essentially any means. The, the, the Board of Medical Quality Assurance uh, retains its ability to punish physicians however they wish if they deviate too far in their informed consent or practice with patients from the so-called standard of care. And let me just frame this as I spent 15 years studying, fighting the standard of care when the standard of care in the 90s and early 2000s was you handed every one of my patients 90 Vicodin every time they left the emergency room. And that killed hundreds and hundreds of my patients. I fought it. And back then, I was sanctioned by the Board of Medical Quality Assurance, my hospital administration, the California Medical Association, the Department of Mental Health. They all came down on me. They never formally did anything, but they were pressuring me the entire time. Guess what? I turned out to be right. I saved hundreds of lives by doing so. Now the standard of care is, well, you have to fall in line with what the board says it is. What do we do with this? It's horrific. I wish it were a legal issue. I don't think it is. You know, it's not the it's not the government silencing the speech necessarily, which it's not allowed to do. And also, you know, sort of certain medical standards have been upheld by the courts as appropriate in any event. Um, but I think it's a matter of civil disobedience. I really think you're going to need doctors who are willing to buck the rules and take a stand and save lives and go down swinging. I'm sadly, I, I know that's easy to say. Believe me, I, in another life, I was married to a doctor. So I understand the amount of training that goes into becoming one. Uh, but I don't see any way forward. Like either that or you got to leave. You got to leave the state of California because the, the wacky yeah. citizens out there have apparently supported this. There's not a revolt on the streets like there should be. I mean, even the same people who were sanctioning, you know, certain messaging on COVID they have now reversed that exact messaging on COVID. And they haven't come out and said out and out we were wrong, but they've essentially admitted mm -hmm. they were wrong. And yet they would have punished any physician who questioned those edicts early on in the pandemic. That should be enough to have the Californians yep. revolt and say, no, this is a dangerous practice. Um, it's very yep. anti-science, but like so many things in California, I don't understand the apathy of the citizenry there. It is weird, isn't it? I, I, I shake my head too all the time. It's, it's just hard. I don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, it, it's, but it is not the first th phenomenon I've seen in the state of California. You know, the fact that they reinstated uh, Newsom was like, well, really? You want more of this? But okay. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, uh, it, it's interesting. I actually called the president of the board 
And she's an attorney and she was lovely. And I had a very long, nice conversation with her. And she was, you know, open to my concerns. And, and um, she then set me up with other members of the board who did not understand what, what we were concerned about, which is not just that really? you're going to sanction us, but there can be frivolous complaints. And each one of those complaints takes endless hours, endless hours. And it's scary as hell. They, they didn't seem to even register that, that I was trying to help raise their awareness about that. But the, the president of the board is a, an attorney whose dad was a urologist. She's deeply concerned about proper practice of medicine. Her cause is the far outlying physicians re really that both you and I would agree, like need, need to be contained. There, there are people practicing medicine mm -hmm. that, you know, you got to watch. Uh, and I get that. My fear though, is what happens when she's out? She's not going to be the president of the board of medical quality assurance forever. And when she leaves, who comes in and what are they going to do with this with this law? Could do they can do anything? It literally allows them this to do just about actually, anything. And the interest. Go ahead. I was going to say it's going to cost lives. It's going to cost patients' lives, and it's going to cost the licenses of doctors who are no longer going to be in the profession. And we already need better doctors. They've already gotten hit by medical malpractice insurance fees that they can't afford and lawsuits up the wazoo. So it makes absolutely no sense. And the speech, you're right, exactly. It's going to be used by activists to silence doctors for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. They don't need one more reason to chill doctors out of entering this profession. They need more lures. It's like when yes. I was with my first husband, what we saw was you can only make money in medicine these days if you go into basically ortho, potentially ophthalmology, derm, plastic surgery, or radiology, uh, maybe, maybe pain management. That's what my ex-husband did. If you don't do one of those, you're not going to make any money. So you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars right. to get your education. You forego hundreds of thousands of dollars to get your residency, your internship, and your fellowship. And then you finally get out and you lose it all before you've made any of the money back because you say the wrong yeah. thing about COVID. And invariably, it's going to be about COVID yeah. or vaccines. Who, who would take that risk? Yeah. You had to be out of your mind. You had your mind to, and it's, and it's, you get all the liability, all the stress. You know, in, in my primary care, which I worked in, part of what I did for many, many years, you get all, all the liability flows up to you, all the death and dying issues fly up to you, all the insurance issues come up to you, all the family issues get funneled through you. You everything goes through you, and you unpaid for ninety percent of it. And when you are paid, you're paid about. $42 every 15 minutes. And so to, to your point about what your ex-husband was bringing home and reporting to, that was probably the 90s. Now they've got ortho, they've got optho, they've, they've crushed those guys too. They, they've, put, they've, they've made that very, very difficult. And the only people that are actually making money in medicine, this, this is just, and I'm not complaining, I just want to give you the, the sort of the, the interesting phenomenon that has occurred, are people that are practicing outside of just on the free market. Uh, like the plastic surgeons, mm, right. they are cash and carry. They mm -hmm. they charge whatever concierge they want. Concierge doctors and uh, they and well, concierge doctors are constrained because there are ethical issues. I'm really talking about surgeons, plastic surgeons primarily. And let's mm -hmm. just take a plastic surgeon and look at what he or she makes per unit time compared to me. He or she doesn't make twice what what I make. They don't make five times what I make. They make over. 100 times, sometimes a thousand times what I make yeah. per unit times um, bill. Oh, can I tell you something? It's really back, a bizarre, day, distorted I, system. So when I was 27, um, I discovered that I had a heart murmur.
And uh, I had to go get it checked out. And somebody heard it. My primary care doc heard it through the stethoscope and said, you got to go get, you know, the test at the cardiologist. So that morning I went to the cardiologist in New York City. And in the afternoon, I had to go to my dermatologist to make sure everything was looking the way it ought to look. And I go into the cardiologist's office. It was the crappiest, most rundown, disgusting office. He didn't even have a receptionist. He he had to come to the front yeah. and like check me yeah. in and then take me in the back. I'm like, you're the guy doing the echocardiogram? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But later mm-hmm. I go to the dermatologist. It was the most beautiful, lavish salon you've ever laid eyes upon. And of course, you're thinking still that something way. is wrong that. with the system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah not it's still good. like that. And uh, so your mitral prolapse turned out okay? Everything good? I still have it, and I don't really have to do anything about it. Uh, it hasn't gotten any worse. That's and the thing you need to watch for every year. It's like, a nothing. It yeah, it's, it's a zero. They, it's nine percent of the time, it's a zero. You don't even need to take antibiotics before dental work anymore, but I'm sure Correct. you went through a phase where they told you to do that, too. But, uh, but I did. No? But can I say, I, on the subject, like this is one of the reasons why I appreciated you early on in the whole pandemic, like asking real questions about the vaccines and so on and so forth. Because as somebody who does have a heart issue— and whose dad died at age 45 of a sudden heart attack, I'm very tuned in to heart health. And I have three kids, including two boys. And so I don't appreciate when people try to shame doctors like you out of asking questions because there are invariably people like me all over the place, millions of us, who would like to also know those answers and don't want people like you who have a public microphone and the education to ask smart questions about these matters from being silenced out of asking them. Thank you. I I agree. I I felt like I was uh, running the French underground here that was trying to just make sense of things and broadcast (laughs) quietly to the the enlightened. And it's gotten the same and it's maybe a little worse right now. I mean, this unfortunate thing that happened at the NFL yesterday, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, f- triggered everybody. It triggered everybody. It's it's very bizarre. And and when physicians get together, I was just on a Twitter Spaces where a bunch of doctors were together, and we we really uh, only disagreed on one point, and really it was just one point, and it, and it needs to be answered. Should we be concerned about the risk, the myocardial, the all cardiac cause risk to young males? From the Moderna vaccine, should we be worried about that? Yes or no? And if we are worried about it, what is that relative risk of the vaccine versus COVID itself? Just somebody please answer that question. And and these, mm-hmm. I was talking with one doctor. He said, I think you're going to be very much more at risk from COVID. And I said, you, you may be right. I actually don't have an opinion. I just want the answer. I don't care who's right, but somebody's going to be right and somebody's going to be wrong. And until we get that answer, uh, we can't know who that is or what we should be doing. Again, we can't even render informed consent to patients. And in California, we risk our license if we bring the whole topic up. Can I tell you, it's not just the licensure boards. It's the news media, too. Like, I I will tell you that... um, I happen to know that ABC News spiked a big story they were working on on young cardiac deaths in relatively young teenagers, like 17, 18-year-olds. They were preparing a report and suddenly it got pulled. Why? Why would you pull a report like that? Like in the wake of COVID, in the wake of vaccines. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts is because it was leading down a road that would have looked like they were questioning the safety of vaccines or heart health yep. in the wake of the pandemic. Either one, they felt uncomfortable yep. and they they pulled it, right? So it's like, this happens all the time, right? That is, if you're If you're going anywhere near one of the sacred cows, you better be really effing careful because you're going to get not just Twitter blowback. Forget that. That's a one day thing. You're going to get uh, potentially canceled. You could get fired. You could get, lose your license. Like it can get 
absolutely devastating, which is how they're chilling free speech across the board. It's not just the Twitter files and Fauci and the White House coordinating with Twitter to suppress views of Dr. Martin Kulldorff of Harvard on Harvard on vaccines and so on. It goes way beyond that. And everybody who's paying Mm -hmm. attention at this point knows it. They either care or they don't care. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. You mentioned earlier how the, uh, the, some of the regulatory officials have changed their tune. Uh, I want to read you a tweet. Uh, when did this come out on New Year's Eve or the day New Year's Eve, Eve, I think it was. Yeah, 1230. From Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC. Mm. Here's her opening statement. We can't stop the spread of COVID-19. <laughs> what? You just, <laughs> shut, you just cl- shut the world down, insisting that zero COVID safety Uber Alice was the only option, and you were willing to destroy millions of lives to do it, and now just coyly open a tweet with, we can't stop the spread of COVID-19, which is true. That's true. You can't stop the spread of respiratory virus. Oh, there it is. Uh, Let's see. But uh, pre-departure testing, she's talking about China to U.S. testing and this kind of stuff. It's all fine. But we can't stop the spread of COVID-19. That tweet jumped out at me like nothing else. This is a woman. Susan, you're laughing at it. Does this surprise you? You've, You've heard all that they've been saying for the last three years. And now all of a sudden, and by the way, we've been saying the same thing, like, hey, these lockdowns, this is a terrible idea. Maybe localized lockdown or, you know, quarantining or whatever, but the lockdown thing, does, I, you know, you, you mentioned you had an ex-husband who was a physician. My dad was an old family practitioner and his voice is in my head all the time. People that watch this stream know it because I've brought it up a few times. Just him saying, just him being confused, going, wait a minute, we had yellow fever and polio and malaria and typhus and, and you're shutting down the world for a respiratory... What? How? Wait a minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. a respiratory virus. He would have. He would have died again. It would have killed him a second time. But Susan, you're laughing. You said at that's something interesting in the yeah. airport yesterday. Go ahead. You said Megan you first. S- Megan okay. first. Yeah. No, 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 no. You go, Susan. I want to hear you have to say. No, you said something about herd, like herd immunity or something in the airport. Like we were all just jammed at Newark and we were just walking. You said this is good because we're going to. Oh, I said uh, I was being a little facetious. To be fair, but we were in an extremely crowded airport. And, uh, and I thought, wow, this is so different. It was shoulder to shoulder, thousands of people. And I thought this, this would have created a a panic a year and a half ago. People would have been beside themselves with fear unnecessarily. And now they're just going about their, their life. And I thought maybe good, maybe good. Maybe I should, you know, risk challenge our immune systems. Let's boost up our natural immunity. Somebody might get sick here and that's not good. And if people want to wear an N95, God bless them. If they have special risk, wear that N95. But the rest of us, um, the natural immunity is really good, particularly with Omicron. It's really good. And so this is probably a good thing if we're passing something around in this environment. Again, I'm being hyperbolic. Please don't now tweet me I didn't that, get it. that I said people I should was, get sick with I Omicron. I went out on New Year's. I'm We've just been... saying there, there is the fact that we're out challenging our immune system again is probably a good thing. Megan, you agree? Well, you're talking to the wrong person if you want somebody to challenge you on that because I, I don't like <laughs> hand sanitizer. I'm somebody who grabs onto the subway pole when I'm on the subway without a glove on. Like, I don't care. And then I'll come home and eat without washing that hand. You know what? I don't have any apologies to make. I think it's good for you. I think it's good to ingest dirt and bacteria in relatively limited amounts. And that's how we build up our immunities. And that's how we build up our microbiome. And that's how we build up our children's immunities. My son Thatcher, when he was like two or three, was licking the skin scaffolding in New York City. I turn around and say, Thatcher, good God, what are you doing? He's licking the scaffold. But then you say, 
eh, and you keep moving. You know, it's like, you can't get yeah. like completely paranoid. These people who are obsessed with hand sanitizer. I never wiped a grocery. I never wore a mask unless I literally could not get into the facility I wanted to enter. I never wore a mask voluntarily. I'm just, I'm not built that way. And I think millions of Americans are just like me and we don't want... That's a risk we will take or won't take on behalf of ourselves or our children. And it's not up to the government. So, yeah, to hear Michelle Walensky finally say the truth without acknowledging her mistakes. I mean, I'll give her the benefit of not having been a liar the whole time, but without having acknowledged her mistakes that put people through hell and are still having severe consequences is galling. She's second only to Fauci in her hysteria and dishonesty. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. And and again, that use of fear and hysteria and then the overreach of public health. I mean, we still have the LA County Public Health Director, who is a sociologist, not a physician, not a clinician, and the head of the Philadelphia School District requiring masks again. And oh wh- what is going to, what do we, we, the overreach of people that have no business, even with this authority, let alone the skill to understand how to apply that authority. Is there any remedies for us in, in our in our legal system? No, it's so maddening because the, the, the studies, there have been numerous studies that have come out that have shown that the, the mandatory masking in schools did nothing. They absolutely did nothing. And the CDC, including the CDC's own study of 90,000 kids in, in Atlanta, uh, but they ignore it. If anything comes out that goes against their, their purported misinformation, they ignore it. Then they get some BS study that's observational or anecdotal, and they tout it on the front page of the New York Times. And we're supposed to accept that as the real science, right? Only if you're paying very close attention are you watching each of these studies. Usually, most people just get their information from the paper, right? And the New York Times is the paper of record. So it's maddening because these people are being fed disinformation, but it's not by the people on Twitter who are getting banned. It's by the CDC and by the New York Times. So what can they do? I mean, some mask mandates have been struck down by the courts. You know, it really kind of depends on whether you get a more right-leaning or a left-leaning judge. That's just the God's honest truth. So it's luck of the draw out in California. Mm. You kind of know what you're going to get. If you 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 really don't like it, you can do what I did, which is vote with your feet. Get up and move. Get to a new school district and then be a squeaky wheel. A lot of us aren't born that way. You have to. You have to be a very squeaky wheel on behalf of your children. Parents are doing it coast to coast. It's really how we got these COVID mandates lifted. You know, it was the Glenn Youngkin win in Virginia. It was the near loss by the New Jersey governor. It was that special election where the voters, it was the first chance they had to say what we think of these COVID policies. And people, Democrat politicians in true blue states came within an inch of their political lives of getting killed out of office. And suddenly they reversed everything. That's what did it. And that's what saved the Democrats in the midterm election this year as well. Very interesting. So, so it is really back to the ballot box. We just have to, we just have to be participants in the the practice of and democracy. Be loud. Is, uh, don't take it sitting down. Don't Alexis be such a wuss. Get said. up and go argue. Uh, don't be such a wuss. Uh, that's something that uh, I. That's a thought I have all the time. Like we we need to regain <laughs> that. Well, the the word is the, you know the word is really the the that's necessary right now is courage. It's not a word that's been on my lips for most of my life, but I, I do feel like courage is a necessary sort of um, posture that people should have. They should have the courage to stand up and speak. They should have the courage to make noise and be a squeaky wheel and to get to the ballot box and to speak, you know, to really challenge things. It, it takes courage when a time when mobs ruled the day. These are all mobs that hurt people. Mm-hmm. 
All this is mob mm -hmm. action. And uh, it's, it's, you know, mobs occur when narcissism becomes the predominant personality in a population. And then scapegoating becomes a way that narcissists project themselves. Right there. It's their aggression. They project it onto other people. And then they gather together and focus that aggression on a scapegoat. That's what happened mm -hmm. in pre-revolutionary France. That's what's happening now. Well, and the question. other thing is to remember that if you have something to say and it's it, go, it goes against the, quote, majority view in a room, in a school board meeting, what have you, you must remember that you speaking up as the minority member, right, the, the, the spokesperson for the minority view, you're not actually. The, the stats show that probably the majority in the room agrees with you, unless you're some sort of a nutcase and you're way the hell out of bounds. But if you've been hearing your POV in places you respect, and whether it's a podcast or it's online or it's in books that you've been reading, have the temerity to actually express it and wait until you see what happens. What happens is, uh, me too, me too, me too. All these people in the room are like, mm. you know, as she said, mm -hmm. as he said, you know what? And then you, before you know it, you're not alone. Like every time virtually somebody thinks that they're the only one in the room who has the opinion, they speak up and they find out to their delight, it's not true. Yeah, I, 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 I think that most of us are sort of in the middle and are persuaded to join people in the middle. Maybe they weren't in the middle, but they, it's, it's such a reasonable place to be. I think most people are reasonable, but... I don't know. I, I, and not in California necessarily. So no. let's, um, let's talk about another couple of stories that are in the news. Uh, Melinda Gates sort of dropped a little bomb that it felt incomplete to me, which was mm -hmm. uh, this story about uh, Epstein. But, but before we go to that, uh, I want to take a little break here. We got to, uh, you know, do our business. And of course you're here with Megan Kelly. You can see her show on 111 on Sirius um, every Eastern noon at Eastern times. Does it air at three o'clock Pacific? Oh, excuse me, nine o'clock Pacific time. Megan? Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Yeah, and then it's yeah, also Pacific. released as a then, podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And goes and the YouTube channel. Go check it all out. Of course, I, I, as I keep saying, Megan needs no introduction. You know her, but I do strongly recommend that you follow her stuff. We're gonna take a little break. Be right back. Want to give the gift that keeps on giving? Genucel skincare keeps everyone on your holiday list looking young and refreshed. And who doesn't need that type of luxury, especially over the holiday season? Genucel has so many products that Susan and I love. Genucel's XV Moisturizer locks in moisturizer on top of the serums, making dry spots a thing of the past, especially great with the colder climate and all the dryness of our skin, right? And with Genucel's Immediate Effect 2 eye cream, you can see the results in as little as 12 hours, guaranteed or your money back. Susan loves Genucel's DFS Vitamin C Serum, the new deep firming serum, as well as the Hyaluronic with C and Lactic Acid, which hydrates your skin and makes fine lines a thing of the past while hopefully preventing future wrinkles from forming. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time, and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Take advantage of amazing holiday savings by going to Genucel.com, and you will get 60% off with a special holiday stocking stuffer when you subscribe to my favorites package at genucel.com slash drew and all orders are upgraded to free shipping for the rest of the holiday season we will get it there quickly use code drew at checkout for an extra 10 percent off your entire order 
That is genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Drew. My guest is Philip Patrick. He is a precious metal specialist, trains at University of Redlands. He has spent years as a wealth manager at Citigroup, and his current position is with Birch Gold Group. So gold has always been uh, somewhat of a safe haven, particularly in times of great turmoil, uh, much like our present moment, I imagine. Gold has always traditionally been a safe haven asset. Gold specifically has, has always been about wealth preservation, right? Gold has always held its buying power. You can look at as far back as you'd like in history. In biblical times, one ounce of gold would buy somebody 400 loaves of bread. And today it does the same thing. So it's a store of value. But I would say in times like this, as you mentioned, it's particularly important when you're dealing with things like 40-year high inflation, uh, you know, the air that's coming out of a stock market bubble. These times in particular tend to drive gold and silver up quite significantly. If things are different, the solution needs to be different as well. So I encourage everyone to get informed. And we have a lot of good information here to help your listeners. Just a reminder, I am not a financial advisor and I do not give out financial advice nor investing advice. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew and secure your future with gold. Do it now. Welcome back. And of course, we're speaking with Megan Kelly. And uh, Megan, to your last point about uh, people being persuaded or to speak up when somebody speaks uh, sanely from the middle. Uh, I guess a Rasmussen poll came out today suggesting that most people are indeed right there. But we were going to get into the uh, Melinda Gates uh, sort of interview, which I found confusing. I, I felt as though it was obscure. And I, I, I wonder if you got more out of it than I did. So she's commenting on Bill Gates and the collapse of their marriage and suggesting that the Jeffrey Epstein relationship, because he was friends with Epstein and he befriended him after Epstein had already pleaded guilty uh, in the 2008 case that uh, suggested he'd been trafficking children or he'd been he'd been engaging in uh, prostitution with underage women. Uh, so, I mean, it's basically statutory rape. In any event, uh, weird thing to you know, weird kind of guy to befriend. That's exactly what Prince Andrew is accused of doing. And this has been deeply problematic in his own life. But Bill Gates, mm, no problem, I guess. In any event, uh, she mentioned it as something she had a severe problem with. And um, like that, that it was one of the factors that led to the divorce, which is kind of bizarre to me. Like, wait a minute. That happened a long time ago. You knew about it when it happened. Either it was a deal breaker or it wasn't. What do you mean it was just one of the many factors? Are you trying to say that he trafficked girls, that he he you know fooled around with young girls when he was knowing Jeffrey right. Epstein at Jeffrey Epstein's place where he stayed multiple times? Because if right. that's what you're trying to say, you must say that explicitly because you are also saying you're still in a business relationship with him and promoting all these charities. And if Bill Gates is guilty of doing that stuff, I don't want anything to do with his charity or with you if you're running one, right? So it's like, let's get yeah. explicit. If you're just dropping that to say he's irritating, you could make the case it's kind of irresponsible of her. Yes, yes, that's that's exactly how I experienced it. I was like, "What are you saying, Melinda?" It's like, all right, what you're insinuating, but you're not saying. She also mentioned how uh, Bill Gates found Epstein quote intriguing. I think was the word she used, and that that and I she, she couldn't understand why he would be intriguing, and and so what? Yeah, there was and um, why exactly? There was an email. Yeah, go ahead. 
the the report the report suggests that um, there was an email from 2011 in which he admitted that he found Epstein's lifestyle very different and kind of intriguing, and a spokesperson for him later came out and said, "Oh, he was only referring to the decor of the Epstein." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's laughable that is laughable okay, okay we'll take them okay. at their word but that is hysterical uh but yeah the and I, and again is melinda saying that she didn't want him around disgusting people like that or was she I, there was so much more packed into that and i agree with you it, it just either don't say it or let's get specific about what the problem is here because Yes, or be clear and say, I want to make clear on behalf of my family about the father of my children that I am not suggesting he peddled uh, in the same arena and criminality that Jeffrey Epstein did. In no way do I mean to suggest that he had sex with underage girls without their permission or that he exploited them or trafficked them in any way. I just didn't like the friendship because this guy had this conviction and I thought good judgment would dictate one not befriend such a person. That's what she could, like, right? Like leaving, dangling it out out there is a little like wait what yeah melinda get a transcript of exactly what megan just said and tell us that and i'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) if that's the truth we'll be fine with that because that's exactly what i was was hoping for but the way she left it i i I was left shaking my head going "Uh oh this is this is really problematic, but I, I, and well, I don't I mean, the, see, by the way, you, the, the, the reports about him have been bad. I mean, they've been very bad. Like they, obviously this guy is like, he's like this geek who grew up and made billions and then wanted to sort of sow the oats he never got to when he was this nerdy guy. But there's, you know, he obviously cheated on her multiple times, according to the reports. I mean, he wouldn't say explicitly when he was asked by Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show how many times, how recently. He wants us to believe he had one affair 20 years ago. Sure, sure he did. I mean, come on. There's been all sorts of reports about his debauchery, um, which you could say is the normal behavior of a man, but not really a married man with the responsibilities that he has. And it's not consistent with his public image either. I, I have, I, uh, I, I'm going to, Push back on you saying normal behavior of a man. A man's motivational system may be set up in such a way that that's sort of in place. But if you've committed yourself in front of God and everybody, uh, no. So you, your time to sow mm-hmm. the oats was when you were not married. And if you didn't, yeah. bad on you. And you you don't get to then do it again and, and destroy families and relationships and the social contract you have in a marriage. I, I just, I have no patience for that What? So ever. I got to ask so, you something. You know, I ask end you something. it. I get, can I yeah. ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So we talked about this on my show yeah. today, but I didn't have an expert opinion. Um, and I, you know, I, I do feel somewhat conflicted talking about it because I, I don't, I understand people have affairs. People are in unhappy marriages and make bad decisions. I get it, you know, but I, we covered the Amy Robach, TJ Holmes affair on GMA, these co-anchors who shared the third hour of GMA together both married to other people, both with children. His are young. Hers are older. Hers babysat for his. The, the two of them double dating with the spouse while they were married. Like, you know, they're having an affair and they're allegedly de- double dating, like with the affair partner. It's just, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, but I get failings of the human heart. And, you know, as my therapist always says to me, people are complicated, right? So I'm not going to judge yes. Yes. falling out of love, whatever, and all that, and what they did. However, now what they've done is they've gone off to Miami and Atlanta. And I guarantee you, Drew, Drew, I guarantee you, because I know how the media works. No one's following Amy Robach anywhere. No, they're not. Um, mm-hmm. But somehow she popped up in two different paparazzi snaps kissing uh, this guy, TJ Holmes, her co-anchor. They're kissing, they're canoodling, they're lovey, lovey. Do- 
Meanwhile, they're not, they just filed for, for divorce in December after the Daily Mail and the New York Post outed them, right? They said they're not long divorced. Now they're not long separated. They, they just got outed. Now suddenly they file for divorce and within a second, they're out there kissing on camera and they've got yeah. children. His, uh, he, yes. Andrew Shu, her husband, and the adult boys that they have posted a picture of them looking sad and depressed over the Christmas holiday. That was my take on their appearance. Yeah. And she's out there kissing her affair partner for the cameras. Guarantee you mm -hmm. a setup by her. Somehow she thought this was going to help her. We're going to lean into it. You know, like, yes, yes, we're in love. That, therefore, it's all forgivable. And and not shown her pictures of his very young children at home who now don't have a dad in the home. Because I just, the whole thing makes me uncomfortable. If I were running ABC News, I would not give them their jobs back. I would not fire them, but I would not put them back in their anchor roles at ABC. But you talk about human nature and what's natural. What do you make of it? All right. So you, you've set that up in ways that I'm deeply conflicted on multiple fronts. I, I, <laughs> I am with your therapist that, that we're not there. We don't know what's going on. People are complicated. Everyone has to make their own choices. And maybe they've all agreed. I don't know. But uh, let me now as a human, as me speak. Uh, and to me, I am disgusted. I am disgusted that people would attack their family like this, that they would destroy families, that they literally are attacking their children when they allow this to go on. It's an attack on the children. And if, by the way, they had a weakness and things went, uh, you know, whatever, and the marriages weren't strong and nobody paid it, you know, there was a symptom of some real trouble and they got back in the therapist's office and said, let's, let's, let's try to, try to solve, let's try to save this family, let's try to get it back. Okay. I mean, that'd be okay. But then to do this, it speaks of a complete lack of empathy for the people that those two individuals are supposed to love the most. The original mm -hmm. affair was an attack on the family and the continued acting out in public without understanding the impact it was going to have on the children is more of the same. And I personally, look, they may be very good people. Uh, God bless them. I, I'm not, I am not saying I'm telling them how to live their life but I am disgusted and I've always been disgusted. I, I was disgusted when Bill Clinton, you know, was doing his thing. I thought, what attack on Chelsea publicly it is attack on Hillary. This is, this is, this damages the people you're supposed to love. If you have a problem, take care of the problem. You're a sex addict, take care of the problem. If you didn't sow your oats when you were 20, when you should have bad on you too bad. I, you know, it, it, it goes back to the question you asked a half an hour ago about when do we become such what did you call us? What did you call us? I don't want to use the wrong word. When did we become such wusses? Uh, wusses. That was the word used. I don't want to use the wrong word here. We became such wusses and and not willing to stand up. Wait, for but here's my follow up. Right? Like, where is the shame? Yeah. Right. Because I, my my own Catholic uh, narcissists don't experience shame. Sin. Narcissist. Human beings sin. Everybody does, but there should be some shame attached to it, especially when there are yeah. little ones involved. No. There should not be the parading yes. of the sin and the sinners like, yeah, nailed it. You know, like in front of the paparazzi in the, even if, even if it wasn't a setup, how do you go out in public and canoodle and kiss with your little ones hurting at home over your behavior? At least have the yes. decency to be ashamed of it. Yeah. Well, a, sh a shame is a different, yeah, to have shame. So, so it's very much, yeah, was there applause I just heard? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, it's very much <laughs> what, what I was just talking about. So I don't know these two people, but I'm going to say in cases like this, when people behave like this, those are sort of narcissistic traits. And in the, the main liability of narcissism is A, 
shame avoidant. They're like Teflon when it comes to shame. Shame flies right mm -hmm. off them, and then they project it out onto other people. They're bad, oh, not me. It's all out there. Shame avoidant, number one. Number two, they, they lose capacity to appreciate the contents of other people's mind. So they just, they are non-empathic. So shame avoidant, non-empathic, uh, and then envious. Envy is a very prominent sort of experience for a narcissist. And envy is different than jealousy. Jealousy is, hey, Megan has a very successful podcast. Oh, I want to have one like that too. Uh, God bless her, but I'm going to try to compete her or whatever. No, envy is Megan has a successful podcast. I have to destroy her. I have to bring her down to my level. Hmm. Envy, you, you talked about religious injunctions. Envy is always in every religious text as the number one thing to be avoided because it is so destructive and it is the source of back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, the scapegoating impulse. They gather together with their envy narcissist and act it out on the one. Oh, that is so interesting. Boy, that, that, that is a light bulb moment because I've been looking at this like, I don't understand. When they first got outed, you know, I I did not think that they could continue on in these roles because I just think what morning TV is about is sort of like, he smiles, everything's perfect. You know, we're the perfect <laughs> no, little happy no. anchors. And this goes oh, directly boy. contrary to that, right? But so I didn't see that happening. And then it came out that he'd been fishing off the company pier with like God knows how many ABCers. So that's deeply problematic. And oh, that's when ABC really? pulled them and started an investigation. Yeah, at least two former producers have gone um on the record, one with name, one without, if I'm not mistaken, and said, me too. Yeah. I, I I thought I was in love with yeah. him. I had a long time affair with him while he was married to this poor woman who he just filed for divorce from with a young child being babysat by Amy Robach's kids. And in any event, um, then they suspended him and did an investigation. I thought, okay, fine, whatever. They're going to work it out. It's a personal business. The legal matter is kind of interesting mm. to me. But now I see this is like a PR strategy that says something about their morals, about who they are as human beings. Like you've got your kids at home hurting. You've got your spouse, even if you can't stand your spouse now at this point, which as far as I know, there's no indication of that. She took some European vacation with her spouse and her children as recently as this summer, they were posting pictures. But okay, let's say you've grown to hate him. How can you stick the yeah. knife in like that publicly with the, I, it yeah. takes a different kind of person. Yeah. And frankly, I, I hate the term, but it's kind of triggering because that's my industry. That's news. News. Abby's here with me, my assistant. She's laughing. Yes, it's a disgusting, dirty industry. And I feel like it attracts people who are lacking shame and lacking, you know, mm -hmm. this ability to be an empath. And it's actually kind of part of the larger problem that we all talk about all the time, which is like, what's wrong with the news business? Mm -hmm. uh, 100%. It does attract people. And and each of us, you know, we, we live in a time of I, you know, I watched this narcissistic trend happen. I, I was working in a psychiatric hospital in the early 80s. And when I first got there, the access to the personality disorders were all of them. They were all showing up every day. And then right by the end of the 80s, it all switched to what's called cluster B, which are the narcissistic disorders. And now you ever don't see anything but. So literally all I'm of us uh, are sort of, yeah, it, it literally all of us have cluster some B. narcissistic qualities of uh, Buster B, that's borderline sociopath, narcissist, and, you know, sort of other sociopathic stuff. Uh, histrionic is in there. And by the way, histrionic, we didn't use yeah, yeah. much of. Now, magically, the entire American public became histrionic in the last couple of years, but whatever. Um, and I'm so we, we're all kind of cluster B-ish these days. And that's just for whatever reason. That's the sort of, you know, ebb and flow of personality structures in human beings. 
Um, but yes, yeah, certain things to be in front of a camera and stuff like you and I are doing. Yeah, it brings that liability. You've got to have some of that stuff. But having some of it can be healthy. And I'm not saying you and I are healthy necessarily. I'm just saying it can't be healthy. But if it, if it goes too far where you lose where you lose empathy and you lose and you start acting out and all those things we've discussed, that's where it becomes a problem. See, you know. Okay, by the way, here's you know, why. Here's why you and I don't have to worry. Here's why. You, here's why Susan yeah. doesn't have to worry and why Doug doesn't have to worry. It's because we came into media as a second career. You know, I was a successful that's, lawyer. You were a successful doctor. Listen, that's a different situation. I, you, I, I, it's a I different kind you, of person. Megan, Megan, I actually have published data to support that opinion. I actually, oh. I, I, I'm, I have the only, I have the only published data on narcissism <laughs> on earth. And here, and here's what it was because I, on the radio every night, and I'm gonna let you go in just a couple minutes. We'll probably end up wrapping up with one more topic, but, but, um, I, I was able to issue, I gave personality questionnaires to, uh, there's the book that came out of it. We also published a paper in the Journal of uh, uh, Journal of Personality and something else. And we were able to show that people that were in the media had much more narcissism than average. Um, and we actually were able to break down the kinds of narcissistic stuff that was there. And just, I'll give you the shorthand, which was that if you were a cellist and you were interested in performing around the world, or you were a newscaster, were interested in doing a good job as a journalist, or you were a doctor or a lawyer and were using media to sort of make a difference, our narcissism was the lowest on the scale. The highest narcissism, can you guess where, the, yeah, there you are. Your point is exactly point it made. You know where the highest narcissism was? It was a very specific group. Because mm. uh, mm. you're onto Not this, I'm wondering if you would come up with it. Well, they were in, they were all over the place a bit. It was reality show stars, reality show participants, because yeah, they go they sense. go into these projects because hey, it's me. It's nothing else. I don't have a skill. Yes. I don't have a, I don't have a career. It's just me. It's just me. And yes. those guys were way up on our system scale. It's and, Kim and Kardashian. Way, how I've said before, how, what I object to her vanity is what I find so abhorrent yeah. about her. That's what's such a turnoff yeah. about her. It, disgusting, ever yes. on display, vanity at every turn. Try doing something of substance, not your fake law degree. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and, and so, so there it was. And uh, and and by the way, how empty and, and painful it must be to be in this Michigas in media and have no purpose. You know, you and I have a purpose. We're trying to do something here, and it makes it meaningful. It's an instrument. It's a tool we use to get out there and make a difference and stuff. And I and as you said, the other thing I've noticed with people that sort of treat the public well versus not. If you've had a real job like you had, I've had, Adam has had. You're grateful to be able to do this stuff. It's really interesting and creative. Mm -hmm. and, and who knew we'd be doing stuff like this when we started our careers? So it's something you're grateful for. Last question before I let you go. You can go. tell when someone's a uh, news actress or a news actor, like a frustrated yes, wannabe yes. on television person only. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, you can. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, what's your prediction? I have no idea. It went terribly for him today. And Chad Pergram, who works at Fox News, who I really respect, um, who knows everything about Capitol Hill, was he was tweeting something to the effect of, we may not have Speaker McCarthy. I mean, like, it may not happen. He may not be able to pull this out. Who would it so, be? So honestly, I have no idea. And the smartest people I know have no idea either, which is very rattling. Like, then now you really don't know. I, I heard I heard weird rumors of Jim Jordan. Is that is that even a possibility? Is that realistic? Does somebody mean that? I would be surprised. I don't think the more moderate Republicans would support him. I really don't. Right. I, like that's this right. is the problem. When they bring those that right wing into the flank, they lose the the more moderates, and when they get the moderates, they lose the right wing. Um, I guess if I had to put money on it, I'd still put it on McCarthy because he's 
kind of Trumpy, but not, you know, less not Trumpy enough to maintain the moderates and a little Trumpy. Uh, I have no idea, though. Capitol Hill is such a mess. I'm more focused Ugh. on this George Santos and how they're going to get this serial liar out of this office while still keeping the R in that newly Republican district. What what a, what a nightmare! I mean, that guy. I and and the, he, he seems again sort of unapologetic. Like, oh, everyone everyone uh, pads their their resume. No. I, I don't know no. you. I don't. He said I, his I, mother I, died I just, on nine eleven. The facts. He said his mother died <laughs> he, on nine eleven. Not, then he said she died in twenty sixteen. Yeah. I would love to interview this guy. So which was it? Did she die on 9-11? Did she live? Did you see her between 2001 and 2015? Did you do anything to correct the record? When did you say that she died on 9-11? Why did you say such a thing? Did your grandparents really die in the Holocaust? You're only like 34 years old. How is that possible? Really? Does the math add up? What happened? Did they not die in the Holocaust? Why would you make? Why didn't you? Why did you say you go to Horace Mann when you didn't go to Horace Mann? Why did you say you went to this university when you didn't go there? Doing business with Citibank is not the same thing as working for Citibank. You understand that. If you don't understand that, how do you expect the public to vote for you? You're a serial fabulous. Get out. Everybody, you should you should question literally everything in the media the way Megan just did. Everything, every story you read, every tweet you read, yeah. that kind of questioning should scroll through your head immediately because most of what we are exposed to cannot withstand that scrutiny. Megan, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here. I promise I'd get you out right now, uh, so let me do that. And once I let you go, I'll give them all the particulars me. where to find you and stuff. So appreciate it and have a great day. It was a pleasure. All the best. Thanks, Love Megan. you. Uh, and again, you can watch her YouTube channel. You can also find her on Sirius XM. Let me get all the specifics. Oh my her, God, so. I love her. Yeah, she's great. And now you know why Adam loves her too. Yeah, the Megan I know. Kelly Show, Sirius We're all XM, in love with her now. Triumph, Channel 111, weekdays, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. Uh, and again, the YouTube channel is Megan Kelly, M-E-G-Y-N Kelly. And you can follow her on Twitter, which you of course should. Uh, and by the way, whether you whether you agree with her or not, just just admire her thinking and her willingness to to put herself out there with that. At Megan Kelly, M E G Y, and her willingness to come on the show. Yeah, and her willingness to talk to us, which is very nice of her. So let me. Um, I I decided. Um, oh yeah, there we go. Are I you going to take some calls on Twitter Spaces uh, today? I can. Uh, I decided during the show I would. Well, let me see if somebody has questions about. I think you should. Okay, let me see. I think I think we've had a really. It's been a very tragic 24 hours, and yes, I think we awful. need to we need to cleanse our address our fans in the new year and appreciate the backup course we had, you know, during our little you know, all right. So, Twitter storm. Uh, but um, also just say hi. All right, I will do it. This is uh, Sam. I will uh, add him as a speaker here, and you can just raise, come on in, and uh, ask your question, whatever it might be. Uh, and of course, remember everyone, you have to, you have to mute that microphone in the lower left-hand corner. I went on a Twitter space today it. and you have to unmute. You have to uh, punch in the, uh, probably took him by surprise. Red yeah. line through it. <laughs> there you are, Sam. Is it Sam? Hey. Hey. Yep. Hey. What's hey. Up? Uh, so I'm just looking at a paper here that, uh, said there was about, uh, like maybe one of these, uh, uh, Commodio Cordis events every year in like NCAA college football games. And it's like 71,000 players every year. Um, uh, I, where is that paper published? Uh, Sage pub. Uh, it's called fatalities in high school and college football players by Barry P. I, I would strongly question that data because uh, football is the least likely sport to cause commotio, right? Commotio is caused by a sudden rap on the chest. Baseball, yeah. elbows in soccer. I've seen both of those. 
never seen football in spite of witnessing and playing and watching my kids lower helmet have helmets lowered into their chest a hundred thousand times it's because it, it's it's not that kind of wrapping it's 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 an explosion backwards and it doesn't have that quality to it like dropping a fist on the chest which we know does the same thing that's why that's why back in the day if you remember uh like look at the the exorcist when they were trying to resuscitate somebody that movie they pound their chest really hard like that with a wrap because that does alter yeah. the electroactivity of the heart um but uh so I, I, hard for me to imagine it's an extremely rare event. I, it must be all derivation. For, I mean, mostly when, when people die on a football field, it's because of dehydration and electrolyte imbalance and taking some substance or supplement or something that causing these you know excessive fluid uh, balance problems. And that's what causes the arrhythmia. It's not commodio. That's extremely rare. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that's that's true. I think they're saying it's... Uh, Two every ten years. Uh, cases in all football played played throughout the U.S. Yeah, that could that could be that okay. could be um, two every Drew, ten this, years. Sort of makes sense. Does this image? Does this yeah. describe what you're talking about? I found this. Someone was talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And you notice how it's that's and it's exactly the electrocardiogram on the bottom is exactly what happens. It it hits right on the repolarization phase, and the heart's very vulnerable then. And pow, that's it. And it has to hit with us exact. That is different than the contusion of the heart that can occur from really serious blunt trauma, like a like a steering wheel in your chest. That's a very different thing. This is a wrap on the chest, and you see it's a fist or elbow, right? Go scroll up a little bit, and he shows all the different types. Not a shoulder. Uh, baseball, uh, and what's the very top one? What is on the top one? No shoulders Hockey don't puck. do this. Puck. Hockey puck. Hockey pucks do it. Yeah, that's it's what like does. You notice how in that in that diagram they don't have football. They don't have a helmet. It just it just doesn't really do. And they're it. also a, showing a skinny little baseball player. It is nine in, years old. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's very odd. So Without it makes me on. wonder. While this is certainly something that could, and let's look, the fact that we have to stop and go, oh my god, this is a tragedy. We feel so sorry for him and his family and his teammates. It's just it's it just it's it's it takes my breath away. It's so awful. That goes without saying, everybody. It's it's a horrible, tragic event. We're trying to make sense of this. People saw it and were traumatized by it. We're trying to diminish people people's trauma and we're also trying to learn from it so we can prevent this from happening again that's why we're discussing it so we're not discussing him we're discussing cases like this that this particular tragedy directs our attention to these situations so the question sam that really has to come up is could anything have predisposed him to more likely develop this which is kind of an interesting question and yeah. and by the way the commodio i've seen you, you don't stand up afterwards he stood up and took a couple of steps that was now people keep saying that is consistent with commodio i i'm going to challenge those people and say you've probably never seen it because when you see it they go flaccid instantly instantly as soon as it happens now, now, maybe yeah, the, go ahead, Sam. I only saw I only saw one on Twitter where it was a hockey puck, and he just he maybe took a couple of skates and then fell over. Okay, but interesting. Well, you that, know that was that was the only thing I, I've seen that's been supporting it. I also noticed that he got hit, and then he tackled the guy. So then he got up after he tackled him. Yeah. So it wasn't like 
right when he got hit because right. he actually tackled him after right. that. And he then he stood up. up. Yep. And it was, and by the way, it was a sort of head and shoulder. It was the usual sort of thing. I, it's I don't know. Really, it's really, it's certainly possible, but it also leaves open the possibility that he had some sort of predisposing thing there. I mean, why would this be the only case in the history of the NFL if this is such a common thing? Yeah. It's, a, it, it's yeah. like in the NFL, there's only 850 players. That's like a one in a thousand year event <laughs> right That's let's exactly hope so right. let's and, hope but so I, let's I hope we don't that, see any more for look, the next I, thousand years i i have been worried about the 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 athlete deaths and the excess deaths overall that are being unexplained in this country and it should be an emergency an emergency that we answer the question what is this it could be COVID. I'm, I'm totally prepared that COVID could be the culprit. It could be causing long-term problems that we just have, we haven't really studied yet, and now they're coming out. Answer that question. Or is it COVID plus the vaccine? Or is it the vaccine? In the meantime, people are just fishing around, speculating all over the place. It's all speculation at this point. We have no idea. We, we certainly have no idea what happened to this case. We weren't there. We don't know exactly what's going on. But we have no idea what's causing the athlete deaths, what's causing the all-cause mortality. And the, the thing that's disturbing to me and why I use the word disturbing in my tweet, it should be an emergency to go answer that question. Why are we not rushing to answer that question right now? Do you, do you know, Sam, it, it's, it's so troubling to me. I'm so troubled by that. No? You would think that they would be able to like look at it and I just, I don't see them looking at it. <laughs> they are not there. I think now, so, so then here goes everybody's trying to explain why they're not looking at it. Are they not looking at it because they're afraid it could be the vaccine? Are they not looking at it because they know it's the vaccine or none of the above? They just aren't looking at it because everyone's afraid in medicine to do anything these days. Yeah. But I think that a public Ugh. figure in an incident like this is the one who's going to bring it out, like make us all think always. about it. You know? it's always. Even if it wasn't case. him, it's, it's making us think about event. it. It's always a case. You know, that makes it us... was just some kid on a soccer field, nothing. Nobody's right. going to pay attention to it. But because it happened in front of all of us it's in a terrible. playoff game in such a radical way, we're all finally looking at this seriously. So terrible. And we and we owe it to our I'm children. I'm so disturbed. To, I'm just to disturbed as the word. It's like, I'm so, so, so disturbed. I mean, is, are they are they assuming that other people are looking at it and they're just saying, I would have heard about it by now if, like, like uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm seeing, unfortunately, I'm seeing people, the the, the sort of the clinical and the, and the medical people sort of already sort of landing in these two camps where they're pulling out all kinds of data about the vaccine or they're, or they're pulling out all kinds of data about COVID versus, you know, COVID being worse than the vaccine. And they're, and they're just sort of staying with that literature. And really they, that literature does not answer the question, what's in the all-cause mortality? Why the athletes? Just got to answer that question. And if, and if it is both, let's say, how do we establish the risk reward for a given kid at a different age group and by the way how do we know whether to bring this guy back to play in the nfl if we don't know what this is it's just terrible for him but i don't know sam any last questions I, i'm just so disturbed i'm really disturbed no, that, i have a question thanks, thanks for thanks, having me on thanks i appreciate it thank What's you that, Susan? um i'm so I'm really uh, is disturbed. there a way to test like the players like give them yes, yes you know here's the problem yes here's before the problem. they go out to play like if they've been vaccinated in the last month or so or, or, had or COVID. they've had covid or, had COVID. so or here's none of the above or like, none of the above you're susan you're thinking about it exactly correctly so here's what you can do you can go do mris of all the athletes hearts okay 
The every NFL team, I think, has an MRI scanner now. They just go do all their hearts. Here's the problem: the findings of scarring, which is this postgadolinium enhancement of the heart, the finding is very nonspecific. It can get easily missed if it's small, and it can be easily nothing when it's positive. So being positive could be a false, could be a red herring. So what do we do with that? Are we going to be taking people off out of their NFL careers because of a finding that? Well, is not it would certain? be the same if you did an MRI of their head. It would be, oh, you've had too many concussions. You can't, you can't play see anymore. That. You can't see that in the head. No, but I mean, football's always been like this. It's like they go out there, they play football, knowing that they may not make it out alive. That's football. well, that's a different. Now you're talking about the ethics of playing football, which is a, right. I'm not even going to go there. Which that's, is, but but still, like we need to help them understand that they could take care of their health and maybe not have this problem. I'm sure a lot of those players are nervous about it now, especially the younger ones, you know? I mean, that guy was just, he was very fit and he was, he seemed strong. So sad. And for him to get potched like that is just so weird. To get what? Potched like in the chest, just potched. That's just my word. It just, and to just go down like that. Let me me, uh, bring an athlete up here. This is Matt. Uh, Matt, I tried to get you up here. Are you are you there? You didn't didn't respond. Can you raise your hand again? I lost you somewhere in there, or else. Matt, they me. didn't like my word "potched." <laughs> there he is, Matt. Would you like to come up here and speak? I'm inviting him to speak. Uh, I thought he had a request up, but I did not see that. I'm sorry. I'm looking through my list here because I've got a lot of you guys that want to come up. I I, I apologize. Uh, yeah, Doc, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, Matt. So. Thank you for listening. Any thoughts on this? Scary, yeah. right? Yep. I think we're seeing that trickle-down effect of what you guys were just speaking on earlier of we just witnessed it. We all just watched this at the same time, same moment, and that same, you know, not sickness, but... It feels sick. It feels sick, right? You feel sick inside. Yeah. Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. And and the tariff, the, again, I think my profession has an obligation then to go in and go, hey, this is what these things are. Let's understand it. We know what these are. We're going to find. Right. And, but here, here's here's where we're deficient. We, we can't say we're going to look into this and we're going to figure out what it was so we can reduce the risk to, uh, going forward. That should be our hue and cry. That should be our rallying cry right now. And you, you were a WWE wrestler, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And so you guys take these kinds of hits all the time. Uh, do you, are you aware of anybody sort of dropping out in the ring or anything or immediately afterwards? No, I'm also friends with our, our, our mutual friend, Tyrus, and I've done your, I've done your show one other time Yeah, and you're very passionate also about concussions. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that our business has come a full circle around on yeah. where now when wrestlers are training doc. They wear helmets when they first get in that ring for the first time. Because when you're learning how to what's called bump, which is say you punch me and I fall on the mat perfectly, yeah. right? Yeah. That's back bump. And what it does is it rattles your brain around a little bit in your head. Yeah. And you've got to eventually build up the, the the callousness in your back and neck and things like that after doing it so many times to where you lessen the chances of it. But it's still, when you think about it, quite the risk. Oh, yeah. At 20 plus, if we're being honest, of registered concussions. You boy. Um, and my brain will be donated to Science Sports Legacy Institute when I pass, um, for so they can do more research on this. Um, but thank you for what you and both Megan are talking about right now, because this is a very important situation, and everyone in America all watched it. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and we need to kind of come together. Thanks, Matt. Rather than splinter apart around it and accuse everybody of it. Name calling because you say something and they don't agree with it. Here is Sabine, who we've, I don't know if Sabine's been on this particular show, but I've spoken to her before on, uh, she's a gastroenterologist. Sabine, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. First of all, great show. Thank you. I love the fact that Megan mentioned the microbiome. Absolutely. Immunity is built. And um, so I just wanted to kind of, I stood up because you have Alon Steinberg is in the crowd and I know he's not, he's uh, probably not raising his hand, but you probably want to talk to him as a cardiologist. I'd love to. On this topic. I would love yeah. to. Uh, so, where would I, how do I, is he in there as, what is he in here as? He's listening. Find him. He's as a listener. Alan, please request to come up if you wouldn't mind. I, I would love to talk to cardiologists and sort of get into this. Oh, and Joanna's here too. I got to get Joanna up here. You guys all got to yeah, request. Would, all right, Sabine, you have anything yeah, to say before, be, before I bring those guys no, up? No, that's a, Thank you for your courage for talking about this and asking questions. And I can't believe every doctor in the country is not wanting to know yeah. about what happened to this kid. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully yeah. we can uh, get some answers. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for being appreciated. Uh, I am not seeing Alan Steinberg here. I am seeing Joanna and I'm going to ask you, Joanna, to come up uh, and speak with us if you don't mind. I, Nice, Chabri. I see you there as well. But I got, I'm trying to find Alan Steinberg. And please raise your hand, my friend. I can't find you just by scrolling through the list here. And Joanna, if you'd come up and just unmute, there you are. Unmute yourself. And good to have you here. And I know you were in the Twitter Spaces a few minutes ago, um, talking about this issue. Did you take anything of of note away from that conversation? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It was a really excellent panel. Um, hearing from everybody who. Um, I mean, they had tremendous insights. We had cardiologists, electrophysiologists, I myself, for your audience, I'm an intensivist and an anesthesiologist, but I work uh, in the cardiovascular ICU and certainly have some familiarity with uh, with these yeah. with these patients. Um, yeah. But one thing that I think really came up that that is important in consideration is just the value of a differential diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and and kind of underscoring the fact that we we have very limited information right now, yeah. Um, and and kind of admitting our own our own limitations um, amidst all of this. I, I find um, it I find it odd the rush to Camosio. It's it's such a rare thing for football. I mean, why rush to that? Just any, why rush to that as as opposed to anything? Because it's all on the table for for us. We have no objective data, so we don't have any idea what's going on. That's right. Yeah. And I think not only not only was that consideration brought up, because I think that immediately that's what everybody um, kind of jumped to. But then it sounds as though and this is this is, um, I guess, uh, noted from from his family. Um, there was a second arrest event um, yeah. while he was in the hospital, which perhaps when we think again about a differential diagnosis may point away in from um, the commotion. So, so let me, let perhaps. me, I, I've actually been involved with commotion. It's, it's a rare thing. Ooh. I've seen it from baseball. I've seen it from baseball. I've seen it from an elbow. Uh, hockey pucks can do it. It's rare for football to do it. It just does, doesn't have the same mm-hmm. quality that, that what caused it. But the, in my experience, they are flaccid immediately, though uh, somebody just told me he saw a video of somebody take two skates after a hockey puck hit him. But in my experience, they're flaccid immediately and they come right back. <laughs> they come right back after you, after you shock them. Uh, now, if you are too long without a shock, uh, perhaps his 
anoxic brain injury became irreversible, or he had anoxic injury to the myocardium itself. So you got to worry that the heart was actually damaged by the amount of time that he might have been fibrillating, and thereby the second code may be more related to myocardial injury than to what uh, whatever the underlying source was. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a really valuable consideration. And, um, you know, it, it may be that that is the case. Um, what you said about Comoscio um, Cordis, the fact that they come back right away, I know that um, they, they did do chest compressions for a period of about nine minutes from the sounds of it. Um, but they also had uh, an AED. And I don't know how soon they were able to access that and put that on That's him. That's we don't and, know. That's we don't yeah. know. And it's, so it's, by the way, it's not uncommon. By, by the way, it's not. I mean, if it's not Camosio and you do get a, a rhythm back, it doesn't mean you're going to get a pulse back, right? And so you still may be doing CPR while you try to restore blood pressure and stuff. So who knows what was going on there? We just have no idea. And, and again, it's important just for us to try to reduce everybody's anxiety to know that these things are manageable. We do know what these things are. We're trying to answer the questions. Do you agree with me that we should be in a hurry to, to try to answer questions about whether there are any underlying or predisposing conditions in athletes now that are causing this? Don't you think that should be answered rather than people saying it's just not happening? Yeah, you know, I think especially in our in our high risk populations, you know, for for trauma. I mean, these guys are big guys, and it's like it's like you know, cars hitting each other on the football field, and yeah, and yeah. and we we've got to we've got to really do our due diligence to make sure that we are protecting them. And yeah. I, I would love, I don't know if um, you know, in in the last um, panel there was a physician who um, had worked um, in sports medicine um, with some professional athletes, and the workup sounds like it really does vary from team to team. So um, you know, it it may be non-standard in a patient who's you know in their twenties and thirties to do things like an EKG or an echocardiogram where you basically take a look at a patient's heart using ultrasound technology. Yeah. Um, but that, that may be something, um, that, that is, has, has a much higher utility, um, you know, in these, these, um, guys where there's, there's much higher risk for, for well, trauma. Yeah. Joanna, I, I, uh, did some of these clearances over the years and it was, it was, we were always looking for hypertrophic, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That's always what we were looking for. I mean, that's the big athletic problem historically we weren't looking for myocarditis we were looking for myocardial scarring it wouldn't even have occurred to us frankly unless they had some history of some crazy virus that you know made you think about that so the question now before us is should everyone on a football field be getting an mri and 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 that's a very non-specific non-sensitive way of detecting history of myocarditis right yeah and and just for the as far as cardiac MRI goes, looking for scar tissue specifically, maybe what they're what they're you yeah. know trying to yeah. decipher. Yeah. Um, but but when we think about what actually um, what actually kills these patients, you know, it it is not. Uh, I mean, and perhaps they have underlying conditions that um, that belie uh, their their risk um, when we're thinking about you know stratifying them into these populations, you yeah. know, for who's high or who's low risk. Um, but just by nature of being on the field, I mean, that there is, there is tremendous, um, potential for, for damage. And, yeah. 
Um, I, I wonder how this is going to change or if it will change, perhaps it won't change anything, um, you know, on the football field, as far as, um, protective measures go, or even accessibility, um, to some of these technologies. Cause I don't know how long it took them to get all the medical equipment on, but I, to my understanding, this was the first time, um, in history, again, to my understanding that, that an ambulance actually came on the field. Yeah. Uh, I have the. My career has been strange and 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 far-reaching or nefarious or something. Uh, I, in addition to having been peripherally related to a, a Camosio episode, um, I had to resuscitate a 15-year-old on the field of a high school football team with an epidural bleed in his brain. Um, and believe me, that and an ambulance. I was trying to get a helicopter at the time, and uh, you're not going to believe this story. So, so epidural bleed is is massive bleeding into the brain. It's it's usually it's a, like a subarachnoid hemorrhage. It usually kills people very quickly. And this kid was seizing and not breathing and had pin pupils and no doll's eyes and all the stuff that you and I look for, Joanna. And I started resuscitating him. And uh, and I'm just thinking, we got to have a helicopter. We got to get this kid out of here. I knew there was an emergency room at the bottom of the hill. And I could literally hear the ambulance coming. It was had to go through a... a I'm getting traumatized thinking about this. It was going through a, a neighborhood with speed bumps. I could hear, and I'm like, oh my God, we got to get this kid out of here. But for the grace of God, the ambulance got there. The director of the ER down the hill came running up, bagged the kid, put him in the ambulance, called ahead, got a neurosurgical suite up. That kid was back in chemistry class in three months. And at the time... His dad was standing over me as I was resuscitating him going, he's going to be okay, right? He's going to be okay. And I just kept thinking to myself, the best this is going to be is going to be in a wheelchair, nonverbal. Uh, that's about as good as this is going to ever be. Uh, and lo and behold, the, things can go well when you get immediately onto the onto the care. He's fine and, now. And he's perfectly fine now. And, 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 and the one of the things that jumped out at me was you got to have airway management on a football field. You need to be able to intubate people right away. I was having to breathe for him and all this stuff, and it kind of worked. Um, and interestingly, I hyperventilated him, so I was able to bring his CNS pressure down a little bit. I can actually see his posturing reduce as I hyperventilated him. But, Joanna, there's my experience, kind of hair-raising, right? I know. It was like PTSD wow. watching this for both yeah. of us because I was there, too, photographing the, the thing, and it happened so fast. Yeah. It's crazy, but it was different. It was different. He holds his head, walks around, you know, and then boom, down after, you know, complaining, complaining, stumbling, and then boom, down. That's yeah. that's the head. That's the head. This was not that. This was stood up, walked, and then bam, just fell backwards, backwards, which is what we've been seeing a lot of. I don't know if you've watched the video of Heather McDonald falling on stage. Watch what happened to Bob Sager. A lot of this sort of sudden dropping, which maybe is just auto dysautonomia from, from COVID or something. I, this stuff needs to be answered. Yeah, you know, and and again, I, I think it it really does come down to the, the the ideology, like what what actually is happening. I uh, I'm a huge Bills fan. I'm actually from Buffalo, New York. Oh no! Uh, and yeah, and I and I live out here in New York City. But I was actually at a Bills bar, you know, yesterday oh watching God. the game. You know, like a, like wow. a good faithful fan. Oh. But um, you know, I. I turned and um, didn't see the actual impact initially, um, but it it looked almost more like like a potential head injury, and that mm. in itself can cause arrhythmias and arrest yes, events. That's right. Um, that's and true. and the reality is, you know, we don't have we don't have any information, um, you know, about um, 
what what the heck happened to this poor man? And and when I was thinking um, about it on my way home, you know, of course, Kamosha Cordis came up, but also thinking about things like cardiac tamponade, um, any type of structural. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it could, uh, right. It could underlying... have been, look, we just had a, a soccer journalist drop dead of an aortic dissection in his 30s. Unheard of. Unheard of without Takeyasu's. And why would he have Takeyasu's and not know it? I mean, this is like crazy stuff happening that needs to be explained. And by the way, Caleb just played the video of Heather McDonald falling on stage. And you look, play it again, and you tell me, everybody, if that doesn't look like exactly what you saw this kid do on the football field. Take a couple of steps, and then backwards. Step, back. That's exactly what happened to this, this, uh, this tragedy on the field. So I don't know. Something is going on here. I've never seen anything like all this stuff. I, I you know, it's sort of a, a signal that needs to be explained. Wouldn't you agree, Joanna? Yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely do, and I think that uh, you know we're it it does hit close to home as as a member of of you know my community as a, as a Buffalo Bill. Um, you know, I I so really sad. do pray for yeah oh, for him and, so his, and his whole family. Um, and you then know, you know, you know too. Time. Let's talk about this. You know too how treacherous this particular window is in anoxic encephalopathy. The next few That's days, the this next few days yeah. will tell. Yeah, and there was a lot of there was a lot of question about why he was still intubated in in um, the the previous um, uh, kind of podcast that I was involved yeah. with. Um, yeah. And people have to realize, you know, he was he was down, meaning you know he was requiring CPR for a period of nine minutes, and it sounds as though he was intubated in the field. But we really depend on high quality CPR to maintain perfusion to distal organs um, to, like to, to you know. The brain. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, and in addition to that, we require oxygen and ventilation. Yep. And normally we will bag mask ventilate in the absence of a secure airway or an insecure airway, and yep. you know, like an LMA or but yep. um, you know, it 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 uh it's really important in mm. prognosticating um, yeah. you know, what his outcome will be because he may yeah. make uh, you know, God willing, he'll make a full recovery. Yeah. Um, but, but really, it's it's that high quality and, CPR. Um, and, the and return he, could to be, he could be on a ventilator for a week with a, a hypoxic encephalopathy. I mean, it could easily happen. And the, the, for me, the really the decision, the, the the thing that tells me whether someone's likely to really recover from a hypoxic uh, injury is whether he's seizing. They've told us that he put him to sleep, and and I hope that's just to make him comfortable on the ventilator. But if he's seizing. Then it gets it gets into a different category. So we'll yeah, and, and a lot of, a lot of those medications um, that are meant to sedate and keep patients comfortable Prevents are, are also yeah. exactly. Yeah. So they may quiet it down, but I'm sure that he's getting all types of, um, you know, EEG yeah. surveillance and yeah. and all all sorts of things, um, you yeah. know, in the interim as it is. But again, it it may mask um, and and really for for the time being, you know, he it's needs. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. He needs the rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's his, fine. his body needs the rest, and and the the oxygen demand and all of these metabolic demands go down uh, with with what we do to recover these patients following an arrest event. Yeah. Um, but I but remember I, Jackson. I, I remember Jackson was in a coma. For, they put him into an induced coma for like a week or so, right? Not really a week. It was just a couple of days, but he was again, like he a was week. post neurosurgery. 
He still had his skull, like it was removed from, it's still embedded in his abdomen, not in his head. There's a lot of stuff going on. And we so. thought for sure it was be a bad outturn. Oh so. my God. It was no, I mean, there was no question in my mind. I've never seen anything like this We want to pray that the best comes out of this for this Yes. Well, that's, that gives me faith. It gives me faith that this kid can do okay too. So Joanna, I'm going to put you back in. Has a chance, Thank you possibly, so much for hopefully. stepping up and talking with us. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. But you that's bet. my opinion, not Your opinion is what? That he, by the grace of God, he has a chance to, oh, he to recover. Definitely, he definitely has a chance. I mean, I didn't think that Jackson would. I had no... I told I you, so uh, when his dad was standing over me saying, is he going to be okay? I was thinking, oh, I can't even... I, I'm Maybe not he has to, guardian angels. Not willing to answer that question even. All right, let me try to get to some of you guys here. Um, oh, he's a, he's a robust, strong football player. Maybe he'll be okay. Here's a closeted vi- virologist, which is an interesting top uh, uh, label. And uh, we'll wrap up pretty soon, guys, but I appreciate you all being here. Yes, I don't know your name, unfortunately. Is it Shaya? Uh, Chaya. Chaya. Can I do yeah, so I, <clears throat> thanks for letting me speak. Mm-hmm. I, I've been on some of the other uh, listening groups last night. There's like a six-hour call, um, and I, I was tagging you and a bunch of people, different articles. So, um, you know, a couple questions is, you know, he was placed on ECMO right away, and um, if it was... I've not heard that. Wait, wait. I've not heard he's on ECMO. I've heard he's on a ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. Last night he was placed on ECMO. Why would they, why would they do that? That makes no sense. So that is, so that is my question to you. Um, you know, we've seen patients obviously with COVID on ECMO and patients. Yeah. So it's when, it's when, it's when the, it's when you can't keep them ventilated or oxygenated on the ventilator, you bypass their lungs quite literally. Now, you know, I guess you can get shock lung. It's you know, sometimes a shock lung will fill with fluid, but even that though you can usually ventilate ECMO. Maybe it's ECMO and ventilate, but very odd. Very that's very weird. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. It came from a family member that was reporting that to a reporter that was mm. on the other call from last night that he was placed on ECMO because somebody had asked if he was placed on pressors. Mm. So just just curious, um, you know. You know, we've had patients with pulmonary tail hypertension yeah. placed on ECMO, yeah. sudden right heart failure, uh, uh, young females uh, with lupus that had, uh, you know, pulmonary tail hypertension yep. ended up in a very severe crisis. So if if there is any type of mechanism of action related to this being, let's say, vaccine related, um, which it, it's if he was vaccinated, it's probably been quite some time yes. because the NFL had required it. The, the interesting thing is, is um, college students uh, coming back to school in um, January of 2021 and in February were sent letters uh, along in September and along in this most recent January were sent letters that they're part of athletic teams from the Ivy League schools. Mm. And they had requested that the, um, the football players, I, I can speak to at least three top universities on the East Coast, had sent letters to families and to the students directly requiring cardiac MRIs and echoes before returning to hmm. campus. Hmm. If they've had either COVID um, infection recently and or a vaccination recently, booster or otherwise. And that was in written documents. But that's interesting, um, so- rational. I'm, I support it. I don't know what they're going to do with the data, but I think it's a rational approach. So good for them. Yeah, so I don't think it was data-based. It was, a, it was a requirement to be actively playing on the sports teams because Wesleyan, a lot of these schools back east were very concerned about the optics of having an athlete have an event uh, because it has liability on on the school sports programs. Sure. And there are also sure. private schools in LA. Um, I've heard anecdotally Harvard Westlake sent out the same email. Some of these kind of top tier schools that have athletic programs 
from an optic standpoint, have very high vaccine requirements. All mm-hmm. the kids are vaccinated and boosted and then requiring um, echocardiograms and cardiac MRIs. And those are letters that are sent directly to parents. So I think that's something that should be publicly discussed. I think this, I think another factor is... Uh Uh-oh, did we lose you? Football players at the NFL, there have been multiple players in the NFL and in the National Hockey League and in the NBA and in Major Baseball League who have come out with reports early on from blood clots, um, it, a, a NBA player came out and was off for a whole season, and they were specifically told not to discuss that it. it was vaccine related. So the NFL and the other sports leagues put people on COVID leave, COVID sick leave, whether it was from COVID and or from vaccine related adverse events, and and you can find that um, posted in many places. Hard to find on Google, but you'll see direct reports from the athletes directly being put on COVID leave and then there'll be a comment that you know vaccine injury related but this is maybe good news because that means the data is there if we start to get it go after it if somebody mines it at least we have the data there i I just consider this all good news this is something that would have to be done as an audit of the sports leagues and a foia request or a subpoena from a law firm that you know maybe a robert kennedy jr this because there is data you know they even if they did comply with up to 95 percent as they are saying in the nfl you know, we know that there's, you know, players and there's opportunities for people who got um, homeopathically vaccinated, as we had as, you know, one football player came out very publicly, was on a Joe Rogan podcast, you have Kyrie Irving. So there's there's definitely letters and literature and conversations, but because th- there's an insurance liability here that nobody's discussing right. where um, for these large life insurance plans, especially when you're a player, the, the teams actually have uh, insurance plans against their own athletes. And so, um, so that they get compensated for contract uh, reimbursement. And I think one thing that's not being brought up is that in these contracts, and this is, you'll have to ask some agents, sports agents as well, there's exemptions in life insurance contracts for experimental procedures and medications. And something that has been a, a gap area, which nobody has been able to resolve for me, I've called three large insurance companies, is, um, is this consider, considered still experimental? Because the reason why I was told by some professional athletes when I was in a when I was in a let's just say I was in an office um, in a, in a hospital having a conversation with uh, some pretty key elite people there, and they were discussing that um, they cannot list it as a vaccine injury because of the insurance related issues. So mm. you'll often find that the wives and family members are not going to report it as a vaccine injury. Very few autopsies are. are are being done. Um, obviously, this is like a common thing. I've spoken to John Gill, the head of the uh, Pathology Association, about this a year ago when he had no matrix for how to autopsy vaccine injured patients. Then he came out and did the two autopsies on those two myocarditis teenagers. So they're very well aware that there's this gap in in whether or not it's considered an experimental procedure hmm. because technically we don't have it's a BLA licensure. It's not exactly FDA approved yet. So I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm here. So you're saying they would lose their life insurance coverage if they were getting a, an experimental yes. procedure. Okay. Yes. If it's listed on the death certificate because, yeah. and, and, and how, and why that would be is if it's a, let's say it's a hundred million dollar life insurance policy from the league, the life insurance people will then fight back because they don't want to pay that out right. and say, you know what, here's this clause. And to this date, we haven't heard those cases come out yet. And it may come in the future. Um, if there's a denial for those insurance plans or contracts to be paid out. So um, 
that's the only tipping point where you could see that there'll be exposure from these national sports leagues is the actual sports league have an insurance policy against uh, the athletes and the athletes themselves have one as well. And so if they don't want to pay those, they'll start to be these mandatory autopsies and investigations. And it depends on what kind of pressure they may get from, you know, you All know, right. HHS. I get it. Yeah. I so get there's it. just but some interesting there's points. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Up. Keep mining, keep doing it. You're, you're doing, I, I have a funny, it's interesting. You know, I, I have this very disturbing feeling about us not collecting the data and not figuring out how to protect people against whatever this is that's happening. And yet you're, you're kind of getting there. I, I just hope you you find a way to get somebody to publish it or, or find some way to really get it because uh, we need to understand this. We, we got to understand it. And it, it's, I guess I've, I'm feeling frustration that you're having to do this by such alternative means and on your own and without without you know some academic support. It's just really odd, isn't it weird? It's very strange. And what you should look into is if you can get the the top HLH um, physician at Children's Hospital in LA. Mm. There's been more vaccine induced HLH uh, than historically reported in a 20 year period mm. um, in one month. And, and what people don't realize is that the data from the manufacturers does not get merged with the VAERS system. So if you yourself as a medical practitioner like myself mm. can call up directly to the medical affairs departments for the two manufacturers mm -hmm. and ask for any case reports based on um, a specific unusual disease state. And I only work in rare orphan disease states. Mm -hmm. So when I had two cases of vaccine induced HLH pop up in a three-year-old and a seven-year-old in my neighborhood with fevers of 121 degrees. Hemonk got involved. I just reached out to the head of the HLH department at Children's Hospital, Genius. And I said, I have two cases of like within 48 hours of vaccination. And the numbers are amazing when you look at it. And it's radio silence. But if you call up the main manufacturer in that age range, it was kids in January of 2021, February of 2021, even in December of, of 2022, we've had cases um, but you'll see it's worldwide. And mm. HLH is a very rare disease. It does not happen in 85-year-olds. It's typically hereditary and genetic. It's right after delivery within you know two to three months. And we're having it in staggering numbers. 85 cases just in a six-month period is more than I've heard of in 10 years. So these are just like, you know, you can, there's a lot of information that's not being merged from the manufacturers. Signals, signals. A lot of the weird, weird signals. Weird. All and right. Yeah, Kaya, I'm you. trying to get more people up. Thank you so much for reporting to us and keep, keep doing so it. So many layers. Yeah. So many. Uh, I mean, I didn't even think about the insurance and the yeah, way they Well, I, I'm well, I know about the politics of, of like NFL, that. like the way they run it. It's like a machine. No, so. Listen, when, when uh, like things like the uh, state of emergency in public health, I, I, I was very frustrated that they kept re-upping it in California. Well, it turns out one of the reasons they did is because people would get access to Medi-Cal more easily. I was like, oh, okay, well, that, of course. And then there, there are reasons that some of these things keep going that we may not all be aware of. Uh, look, uh, I think I think I should wrap up, uh, unless you think I, Caleb, think we should keep going. But Jeff just showed up. Uh, we are, <laughs> I just literally put it up on the screen. Uh, we're at 5,000 viewers on YouTube, so that's a new record there. And there's thousands of people watching on all the other platforms. So- I just wanted to thank everybody right, for so watching let's, and let's, making a new record for 2023 nope. on our first show. Yeah, and, and we can keep going. I mean, and, I, I'm happy to take the questions. It's, get, it's giving I'm getting us positive uncomfortable because we're I'm getting uncomfortable because we're getting into speculation and the weeds of collecting data. Right. And I'm not sure that's helping people, and that, and so I I want to make sure that whatever. Well, we're, we want to help people. Um, 
deal with the tragedy. You know, it's yes, sort of like 9-11. Of that's us it's getting like, together and that's us talking about it and us, you know, helping people understand what they saw and what this was and why, why it's happening the way it is. I don't know that I buy the ECMO thing. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And again, as Kayla pointed out to me, that's not been confirmed. What is that ECMO? Extracorporeal oxygen. What's the M stand for? It's essentially when your lungs don't work, it's, in, it's like, a, you know, we have kidney machines for dialysis. This is sort of our lung machine. Membrane oxygenation, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. It, it doesn't work very well. It's not a great thing, but it's when you really are desperate. Um, and it would be weird for him to uh, be on that. It makes no sense. I mean, he did not have a lung problem. But as I said, you can get this weird shock lung sometimes where the lung just fills with fluid. But that's, mm, I don't know, it would be weird if he had that so fast too. Uh, such a not a medical person. You're such an just unmedical a, person. Ooh. Yeah, just, it's so sad. All right, let me, I'm going to ask a couple more people to come up. Um, this is Sphinx. I think I've heard you on the other uh, streams, uh, the Twitter spaces, and maybe you have something to add to this conversation here. Yes, go right ahead. Not hearing you for some reason. Actually raining in California. Is that what that is? Mm -hmm. I, I'm hearing, the, and what's the dog freaking out about? The pool guy's here. Oh. But I can't go, I can't leave my post. I want to listen to your show. All right. Uh, Sphinx, I don't hear you. You're unmuted, but for some reason, uh, we're not coming through. Um, I, I'm not quite sure why. Hang on a second, guys. And and by the way, I've not been able to find Alan, uh, the cardiologist. I, I, I sent you a picture of the... Can you ask him? Somebody I found it, and I, I, I found his account, and I invited him up to speak. But I think it was at the exact okay, moment good. that he was stepping out, so he's invited okay, if he okay, pops good. back in. Okay, great. I sent you a picture of his I, profile. Yeah, but doesn't help me. I've so got, you can see what he looks like. Yeah, I just it's got Elon. Of, it's not Alan. Elon. Elon. No, I think. Steinberg. Okay. A L O N. Uh, a L O N. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, they don't put these alphabetically. Don't, she's gone. I'm gonna I know. try her. How now. do they do it? Like how many followers you have or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, you guys, I'm trying to get everybody up here that we possibly can. This is uh, Equilibrium. I don't know your name. There it is. Uh, mm, don't know your name. I love it. Sphinx and then Equilibrium. Here you are. Hi, hi. hi there. Hi, Drew. This is this is Punk's way to speak, or are we waiting for Sphinx? Uh, this is Daniel, actually. Oh, good. We're waiting for Sphinx. I don't see her. Oh, wait. No, this is Daniel. I'm, I'm in the punctuated uh, That's okay. uh, username. Okay, go ahead. So, so uh, I wanted to thank you. We met, we met 20 years ago, and you were a great influence on my education, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to bore everyone else with that. Um, you, you used to talk about, going back to Epstein, you used to talk about abusers finding their, their victims, and, and you, know, uh, you, you could even hear it in their voice, how they presented themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have a story with, uh, you know, some of my social circle flew out to Epstein's mansion I guess in the early 2000s, I have pictures taken of her. Wow. And she wasn't, she wasn't abused, and, and she doesn't really want to go public with the story, huh. but I'll, I'll share it anonymously because it goes into what you used to talk about. Um, he was asking her a lot of questions while the photographs were being taken, mm. and she didn't really think of anything of it other than it was, I think she just kind of thought it was very weird, but she got, you know, she got paid after she left, so she, you know, it just kind of went out of her mind, and, and she didn't really think about it. And I, I guess she wasn't aware of the 2008 arrest. She, was a, she found out. Uh, I guess when he was arrested, I guess it was 2019 or 2020. And, and she realized who he was, that he was the person who had been taking pictures of her. Mm. He had been asking her questions about, you know, her life and her family. And she thought it was just, you know, trying to, to get a pose or trying to get some kind of emotion at the time. 
um, and that he was a little, you know, maybe socially awkward. Mm. She realized, looking back, I, I guess, I guess it must have been 15 years later, that what he had actually been doing was trying to figure out if she was, you know, a believable witness. Oh, or if interesting! She had, wow. She had someone in his fam. She had someone in her family. I think so. So this was a this was someone that I knew, Oof. you know, that dated that that dated one of my very good friends when I was in high school in the U.S. And you know, um, I don't. I her family was. I think fairly well off, and I, I, I believe I'm not certain. I believe she had uh, some lawyers in her family. Mm. So, so I, I think what he was doing, I, you know, just just from him having ignored her, awful. Um, is he was trying to figure out people who, you know, didn't have families that were going to, you know, uh, go to the, you know, be, either go to the, the authorities or be believable. He went to the authorities. And that hasn't been no other media has picked up on that. And I think that's how that's one of the factors it, 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 why he got it, away for it. Yeah, it seems to me that he was diabolical in almost every aspect of how he maintained his operation. Uh, I, I have heard I've heard stories of how he was grooming celebrities too, and how he'd have certain celebrities bring other celebrities and how he got them to, like this guy was a master manipulator. Like, like I, yeah. I, I didn't know if, if you had described a character like this in a book or a movie, I'd go, oh, I'm not sure, you know, not really is anybody like that. Um, I think we had one. I think we had one. But, but in 98, 99, I remember you talking about, you know, you're, and you're one of the reasons I tell you what I did. And you actually, mm-hmm. I have to thank you. You came out to, to, uh, UCSB and you, uh, you know, I, with Adam and you did a, uh, you know, a show and I, I it was, you either did it for free or, or someone subsidized it and you stayed afterwards and you, uh, signed autographs and you talked with a lot of the pre-med students and mm-hmm. other students and you had a, a big influence on my, my education. So I, I have to oh, thank you. I didn't realize the time. My privilege, it, you know. man. You, that's a big, that's a big honor when I can, uh, you know, do that. I, that, that makes all, that, I, I was involved in, uh, turning Ryan holiday onto stoics and that was one of my great triumphs. So you'll be, you'll so, be in there with, with Ryan and I appreciate it. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm much slower. But, but when I, when I heard that story that I instantly mm-hmm. thought of what you were talking about in 98 yeah. and 99 about abusers, uh, you know, identifying their victims. Yeah. That get and and away you, with. usually though, but usually though they, they do it instinctively. They don't do it so cold bloodedly. You know what I'm saying? This was cold blooded. Yes, it was, but he was, master. he was, he was, Ugh. he was probably the worst criminal. Yeah. I have another story. I don't know if you're interested about Bill Gates. Okay. Uh, this, this one is not as, this one is not as interesting, but, um, you know, when I was, when I was in the U S when I was a, a little bit after, uh, maybe a few years after we, we briefly met, um, I knew someone who was a limo driver for him. Mm. Uh, I think in the early, two, it was in the early two thousands. I think it was one of the main limo drivers. But his impression of Bill Gates, I, I didn't really believe all the all the Gates stories because he remembered Gates being socially awkward and and boring and you know eating at McDonald's and uh, that you sounds know, like him. Uh, that sounds like him. Yeah, but he did. You know, I, I was. I think this guy. You know, this guy had a pretty big mouth with you know kind of the other uh, college students. Mm. And you know, if there was anything kind of going on that he was running around, uh, you know. Uh, doing anything you know kind of crazy and inappropriate i'm, I'm sure I would have heard the story so it sounded like he was yeah. a very you know nerdy yeah uh, and, if he was look, doing things he probably had shame and he was hiding it yeah th- thanks man i appreciate it so much uh and, and yes i'm sure he had shame if that was the case and no nobody to my knowledge has alleged he was doing anything extraordinary it's just this weird thing that melinda gates dropped about epstein it's like what 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 was she saying and that's why i was saying if hey honey if you mean something you better say it otherwise 
say what you know what uh, Megan Kelly said, which is just drop it and, and, and otherwise be clear about it. Okay, uh, I think that's it. I think we sort of ground ourselves to a little bit of a halt here. I know there is a new Twitter files, at least two new Twitter files coming. Matt Taibbi is dropping some more today. So we'll have an opportunity to discuss that hopefully tomorrow at three o'clock. We'll start at three o'clock tomorrow. Tomorrow is Byram Brindle. With Dr. Kelly. Dr. Kelly is in here to do her thing. And then on Thursday, is that uh, Dr. Lee or is that Tuesday? No, Tuesday. Tuesday we have uh, Dr. Lee. How do you pronounce her last name? Susan? Yan. Yang. There's Byron Brindle. He's uh he's uh interesting. I, I as always I'll take something out of it, no doubt. Uh and Thursday, maybe we'll just go back to Li Ming Yan. Li Ming Yan. She was working in China in virology and has some really interesting observations. She'll be in here on Giant Tent. And Drew Buchter. And I and I well, I heard her on a, tw a Twitter he's space. Coming over I said, the dark I need side to talk me. to her. I need to talk to her. Uh, yeah, Susan is very paranoid about China. I I'm thought, not well, paranoid. we better get some. I'm, uh, I am. We better get some data. Aware of really China. Going on there. I'm well, aware. Of, I'm not paranoid. It, being aware I'm, of it makes I'm you not paranoid. conspiratorial. Okay. That's exactly what I was about to say, Drew. Okay. <laughs> being aware okay. of it. Makes what is that? You paranoid. What? Being aware of China yeah. makes you more <laughs> right. paranoid. It makes it. Yeah, right. Uh, we appreciate you all on Twitter Spaces for joining us. Of not course, paranoid. Megan Kelly, you're, you're not paranoid, but we'll see how you react on next Tuesday when she gives us some of the some of her observations. Her stuff, look, her stuff made me paranoid. I, I want to hear more about this, so I'm not feeling... Sunlight makes you less paranoid. Show, bring things to the light of day. That's why I wanted to... When I start feeling paranoid feelings, that's when I want to look further and bring it into the light. That's my instinct. And Caleb, you tell me if that's right or wrong with people that tend to be that way. It is a 100%. It, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. You cover something up and it yeah. allows people that think conspiratorial thoughts and go that direction to believe that there's 10 times worse things going on that they're covering up if they have one one lie that they find. It's true. It, uh, I yep. know how so there you I, go. I come from that world, so don't lie to us. <laughs> but uh, And I appreciate uh, people uh, understand my position on uh, this tragedy for the Buffalo Bills is a disaster and right. I feel terrible for this kid. And we're and not trying family. to cause any conspiratorial uh, thoughts. We're just no. trying to trying find to get the to the bottom of what's going on here. There's lots of questions, more questions than answers, and the questions aren't being pursued, and that's Way deeply out concerning to me. Uh, I want not this not to happen anymore, and if it's because we're we in the medical profession are doing something to healthy people when they have little or no risk from the illness, or if it is the illness, we better vaccinate more or be more aggressive with the packs of it, whatever it is, these questions need to be very clearly answered. And also whether or not we need to do screening for athletes as some of what um, Chaya was saying that uh, might be necessary is actually being done in certain, in certain settings, which is fascinating to me, which means there might be some data out there, which could help us answer some of these questions. All right. So again, tomorrow, Byron Brindle. Thursday, I think we're going to, I, Susan, Caleb, I think I'm instinctively just want to do calls on Thursday because there's going to be multiple more Twitter uh, files Well, it's dropped. also, tomorrow is your uh, premiere of Special Forces, oh, yeah. the ultimate test on Fox right. 11. And, uh, well, it's 11 here, but... Uh, we'll see what people want to talk about the day after, or if want, we can get somebody to come on point. from the show afterwards. We we thought about it, but I don't know. Do you want to air show right now that little footage you have there, Caleb? Or are we going to leave it at the very end? I can I can actually play it right now. Let's do it. This is what I went. This was my summer vacation, and you can watch it on Wednesday at eight o'clock on your Fox network. You're on fire! Hold! Hold! Go, go, go! I don't care how rich or famous they are. 
They've entered our world and they will play by our rules. You will pick up a number and that is now you. Yes, yes sir. This is not an adventure race, this is a military selection. Let's go! You will suffer individually and you'll suffer together. Ow! That's the only way through. Why are you here? This for me is just about taking back my power. I just want to feel like I'm just like worth something. I've become a little soft. Do I still have that fire? Find another way! they don't react properly, they could die. I don't care what anybody says, that is scary. This isn't TikTok or Instagram. You can't call your agent, no one's coming to save you. Run by, run by to the back. We don't quit it, you quit. Drop the attitude now. Fight, go! You will learn from your pain, because pain retains. Come on, we can do it. Uh, I was worried about what I could get out of it. And and how it's all about what I can get. It's not about pass or fail on these tasks. It is all about what you've got in your head. You'll be a changed person. For damn sure, you will be a better person. Uh, as we were uh, special ops recruits in the Jordanian desert, and those four staff members put us through insane paces, uh, I don't, I'm not sure they'd ever do this again. It was, it was very dangerous, but all of us are now the dearest of friends. We all are grateful we did it. We all were changed by it and we all look forward. And you'll see why tomorrow. You you won't believe it. I would like to have Remy on maybe on Friday just to pop in and say hi. Remy? Oh, sure. Yeah, he can talk about it. For sure. That'd be great. (laughs) Uh, And, and uh, you, you literally won't believe what you're seeing, but what you're seeing is what you're seeing. (laughs) It just is what happened to us. And uh, I don't know if they can do it ever again because it was pretty high wire stuff, literally and figuratively. So please do tune into that. We appreciate you supporting it. It'll be on Hulu if you miss it tomorrow night. Um, Otherwise, we'll be here tomorrow with Dr. Kelly Victory, 3 o'clock Pacific time. I'll see you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 